Hello and welcome to Fintech Bytes, a podcast series from CMS, in which we will discuss and provide insight into some of the latest technology and regulatory developments, market trends and issues affecting fintech and innovation in financial services. Hello and welcome to this episode of the CMS Fintech Bytes podcast series. My name is Daniel Gallagher. I'm a lawyer in the technology team at CMS London. And joining me today is Yasmin Johal in the financial services regulatory team. And we're both members of the CMS FinTech practice group. Hi, Dan. Hi, Yasmin. We're giving you an especially warm welcome to the first podcast in the CMS FinTech Bytes podcast series, in which we'll be discussing and providing insight into some of the latest technology and regulatory developments, market trends, and issues affecting FinTech and innovation in financial services. In this podcast, we're going to talk about operational resilience, what it is, why it's important, what it means in practical terms for FinTechs, We'll also briefly look ahead to the next 12 months and talk about some of the key things that we see happening for operational resilience. Operational resilience will impact fintech firms in different ways. Uh, It can apply to large financial services firms that consider themselves as fintechs, to small regulated financial services firms that also consider themselves as fintechs, and to unregulated fintechs who provide a service or perhaps partner with an unregulated or regulated firm. And it's this last group that we're concerned about for the purposes of this podcast. There's been a lot of focus on operational resilience in the last 12 to 18 months and perhaps um, even before that, as we increasingly move towards a digital economy and adopting new technologies, there's been a rise in things like cyber threats and other business disruption if technologies fail or if new technologies aren't as robust as they should be. And there have been some high profile cyber attacks such as uh, the WannaCry ransomware attack of uh, 2017, and also some well publicized major IT outages in the financial services sector in particular. That's a really interesting point you raised there, Dan. And actually, I think there has been a lot to focus on operational resilience particularly given the impact of COVID-19 and the disruptions that this may have on firms. So that leads me on to the C word that we probably can't avoid right now, but coronavirus. Obviously, many people um, and businesses are adapting to the current pandemic, which has resulted in mass digitalization of businesses. And whether it's a, a large incumbent or a fintech firms are having to work very differently. And a lot of firms have done it successfully, but there are still challenges that firms face in terms of infrastructure, continuity of services, IT, and all all of these things, which are prime examples of operational disruptive events. So I think um, clearly then operational resilience is is important and has been for a while and and, uh, probably has really come into focus in the last few months. So perhaps to begin with, um, we should begin by looking at what exactly is operational resilience and why it's important for the financial services sector and for fintechs. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start, Dan. Um, So as you have mentioned, there are obviously operational resilience considerations for regulated firms. There are also open consultations out by the regulators But for the purposes of our podcast, we are not referring to the regulatory position on operational resilience, 
but I think we might draw on the regulatory principles where it is helpful. So in this podcast, when we are referring to operational resilience, we mean a firm having robust organisational requirements to withstand its organisational shocks. There is also the need from a commercial perspective to be operational resilience. There are complex business models that are emerging which can expose organisations to multiple vulnerabilities. For example, the use of digitalisation and technology, which can then result in risks such as cyber attacks and hacking, which are all operational disruptive events. Additionally, firms do not have firm-wide systematic approaches to operational vulnerabilities. And this could also result in commercial risks and threatened growth because you, you can't really expand a business unless you know the infrastructure and the security is safe and sound. As well as from a financial perspective, if you are spending abundance of money on rectifying certain operational disruptions, then that limits the pot you have to grow and adapt other business areas. And finally, if we just look at why is it important? Well, world events have clearly demonstrated the consequences of operational failures in terms of coronavirus and cyber attacks. Um, Actually, interestingly, I saw a really fascinating report in the press around the impact of coronavirus on disruption. And there are some industries that have seen a 400% increase in cyber attacks. Thankfully, it's not the fintech industry, but, you know, clearly there is a greater risk of disruptions. And that is why it's important to ensure that you have resilience and plans in place to to prevent and minimise any operational disruption. Thanks, Yasmin. And do you think the approach for... um for fintechs to operational resilience is the same for all fintechs? Oh, that's a really good question, Dan. Um, no, I definitely don't think it should. The beauty of fintech itself is the versatility and the breadth of the offering. The, a trade finance fintech, for example, is going to have a very different approach towards operational resilience and also its risks compared to a challenger bank. Simply because of the infrastructure, the services they provide, and the technology that underpins their business. Similarly, if we just look at the B2C versus B2B model, this is going to have an impact on how you approach operational resilience. As a fintech, you need to have different mitigation plans and programs depending on the services you provide and ultimately your customers. So I do think the size, the nature, the type of firm and the services will impact your approach to defining and mitigating any operational risk. Well, that leads me on to my next thoughts around, you know, kind of a practical perspective. Clearly, it's obvious that your approach to operational resilience will differ depending on your services you provide and what type of fintech you are. But I imagine there are going to be various um, practical considerations that you need to put into place. Um, What are your thoughts on that, Dan? What do you think fintech should be doing to ensure that they are operationally resilient from a a practical perspective? Sure, yeah. So I think operational resilience can mean lots of different things and there's lots of different practical ways that operational resilience uh, can be implemented. And when I'm talking about these measures, I'm not speaking about what the regulatory requirements are, but more generally about what firms should be thinking about doing, although there is some crossover. In terms of some practical things, I think maybe I've picked out top five practical examples of things that fintechs can think about doing uh, when they're thinking about their operational resilience. And I thought 
at this point, I'd go through and talk about what each of those five things means uh, so that people have a sort of five point plan that they can go away and think about after listening to the podcast. Yeah, that sounds great, Dan. I'm quite keen to hear about the five points more detail. So please, please do explain. I, th- I thought you would be. Yes, man. Okay, so the first step is is a mapping exercise. And this is really where you need to identify what your critical services are and also what your critical systems and processes are that support those business critical services. So they may, may be the services as a fintech that you supply to your customers. And that may be some of the most critical part of your business and the part that you need to make sure is operationally resilient. And once you've done that mapping and exercise and you've identified what those are, you then need to prioritise those for resiliency and for the tolerance of those to disruption. So, for example, if you have a small amount of disruption, would that have very significant repercussions on your business? And perhaps you need to focus on those services and systems first and make sure that those your processes and practices and capabilities in place, that you have those in place to deal with a disruption and you prioritise that. So part of that is understanding then what the impact tolerance is for those critical services and systems. And you can look at scenarios and try and and think about what would happen if there was a certain type of disruption to this service. How how much could I operate within a tolerance for that disruption before it becomes a real problem to my business? And then you start from there and start looking at at your building or operational resilience around that. So step number two is managing third party relationships. And that sort of goes hand in hand with step number one, which is your mapping exercise. Because as you do your mapping, you may discover that some of your critical services and your critical infrastructure are very much reliant on your third party relationships because you have a key supplier or a key vendor. So you need to identify who those vendors are that are really critical to your business, understand their operational resilience. So what happens if they are disrupted and what will be the impact on your operations? So for example, taking uh, something that would have happened uh, in the last couple of months to many businesses is that you may need to temporarily close a business premise or um, you may no longer be able to access a business premise. And if that happens, would your key um, IT infrastructure supplier be able to respond to the increase in demand uh, for remote working, for example. A more obvious example is is if there is disruption to one of your key IT vendors, how quickly can they recover? And what steps do they have in place to recover? And what's the impact on your business? And you can do some practical things to, to start to take a view on that. For example, many of them, many IT providers will have business continuity and d- disaster recovery plans. And you want to make sure that you've seen those. Uh, if, if they're not up to date, you should be asking for up-to-date copies. Um, look at things like how often those are tested by the vendor. and um, What obligations does the vendor have to report issues to you? So if they suffer an incident, for example, a cyber attack on their business, is there something in the contract that means that they have to tell you um, about those sorts of incidents? So Dan, what I'm taking away from this is basically that you really need to keep yourself informed. Exactly. Kind of with the detail in terms of this, because there are various stakeholders and counterparties that could potentially exactly. impact your uh, mitigation planning. Exactly. And it's something that can be done now thinking about your current relationships with key suppliers. But it's also something that you need to think about 
uh, as you're moving into new relationships or you're coming up for renewal of a relationship with an existing supplier. Well, imagine it's an evolving process, isn't it? Obviously, you know, sometimes you find with these types of um, contractual arrangements that the approach you take to one service agreement or one supplier, you learn from it and you kind of take the key points there and use that as your basis for negotiating both the commercial and the legal terms for a different supplier. Is exactly. your experience, is that the case? Exactly the case. And also, I think you need to bear in mind that relationships change and, your, and the way that your business operates changes. And what may be um, within a tolerance threshold at, at a certain point in time may not be later on. And you need to be conscious of that and be looking at your relationships and making sure that they stay up to date with your business from an operational resilience point of view. So point number three of the five is preparation, and that's about establishing and maintaining capabilities to respond to incidents so that you can restore critical functions and things that are affected um, by an incident and get them back to normal operations quickly. So are your, are your key systems robust enough to protect you against uh, a threat? So for example, you might consider what technology solutions are out there that could aug augment your capability. So for example, uh, vulnerability detection software, some automated patching solutions, there are cyber service providers that can do those sorts of things. You may look at services like backup as a, as a service or dis disaster recovery as a service um, to supplement your in-house capability. And then it's, it's doing things like putting in place policies and plans and playbooks, for example, to respond to incidents. So having a business continuity and, and disaster recovery policy and plan, um, so, so which would set out sort of practical steps that you'll follow in the case that there would be an incident occurring. Number four of my five is testing and improving. So testing is really important for operational resilience because it's making sure that the plans that you've come up with and the processes that you've got actually work in the event that there is an incident. So it's testing and then it's improving. So it's it's looking at what you you learn from your, your test and then improving your response and recovery capabilities. And you do the same after an incident. So if there is an incident, what can you learn from it? What worked? What didn't work? How, how can you make improvements to your processes? And also when there's an event that affects fintechs as a whole or the financial services industry as a whole and those those tend to get fairly well publicized what did people do that did and didn't work and learning from those and improving your your own operational resilience so i guess Dan, actually building on that point if you take a step back if i was a fintech now um i would be looking at all of my competitors in the fintech space as well as those that are in the wider financial services industry to see how what have they done in the current pandemic to ensure that they have mitigated and responded effectively to operational risks. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's lots that can be learned from from looking at what other people have, have done as a response to COVID-19. Oh, Dan, that's really useful. And I think you said there was uh, one more practical point. Um, there is number five on my list. Uh, is governance. And this sort of sits across everything else that I've talked about. And from a financial services regulator's perspective, there has been a real focus on board level and senior management level 
having a really clear focus on operational resilience. So it's really a top-down approach to governance. By having senior leadership taking ownership of and really focusing on operational resilience, that creates a culture that kind of trickles right the way through your organisation so that everybody is thinking about operational resilience when they're building new systems, when they're implementing technology, when they're looking at uh, building relationships with third parties, for example. So governance uh, in terms of what it what it looks like in terms of practical tangible things it would be defining clearly roles within your organization that links to the various operational resilience activities so who's responsible for what and making sure that people are accountable for those roles and those responsibilities so that they actually get done they actually get implemented and then it's developing things like written policies um, and, and playbooks uh, so that people have something to look at that they that they understand what they should be doing. So those are my sort of five practical operational resilience tips. That's really useful, Dan. And actually, you know, a lot of detail that I think techs really can take away and apply it to their businesses. And actually, you raised a couple of interesting points around adapting your approach, depending on who you're partnering with. And I'd be quite keen to explore that actually in further detail. Yeah, so I think you're right that when partnering with a bank, I think fintechs need to be aware that that is going to come with some uh, requirements from the bank itself. So if you think back to my list of the sort of top five things to think about when you're thinking about third party relationship management, for example, well, a bank, you in that case are going to be classed as a third party. So a bank will be looking at you from its own operational resilience point of view and doing a risk assessment. So I think it'd be quite useful to wrap up now at this point. Um, I think we've explored some interesting topics and practical applications for fintechs. And clearly for a fintech, you really need to focus on your operational resilience now more than ever. In my view, the key thing that is happening in the next 12 months in this space for a fintech is that they need to focus on operational resilience as the circumstances change. You know, if you look at COVID-19 specifically, government guidance is constantly updating. Things are starting to return to a new normal. And I would say over the next 12 months, business operations and risks will also change. These changes need to be implemented into the resilience of a fintech's operations and firms need to be adaptable and flexible as this happens. That would probably be my key kind of takeaway for the next 12 months. How about you, Dad? I agree. I think that there's probably been lots of changes that have been made in response to what's happened in the last couple of months and that fintechs should uh, think about how those may um, operate on a more longer term basis and make sure that those arrangements that they may have in place are operationally resilient. And I think that the other thing that's likely to to happen in the next 12 months or so is that when the UK regulators finalise the policy framework for operational resilience, that it's likely to take into account what's been happening over the last couple of months uh, and deal more expressly with the impact of pandemics and take some of the the learnings from the last couple of months and build those into their their final policy guidance. And this will be of impact for regulated firms specifically. Yeah, Dan, I completely agree. I think the changes to the regulators' final policy framework will be interesting and, you know, operational resilience and the impact on regulated firms is a podcast in itself. 
And thanks everybody for listening. I hope you found the topic useful. If you want any further details around this topic or any of the points that we discussed in this podcast, then you can contact either me or Dan and our details are linked below. We also frequently publish thought leadership on this area. Um, And if you'd like to get in any more information on this, please feel free to contact us or you can go onto our fintech Twitter page, which is also linked below. Thanks for listening and take care.